0: Welcome back folks to the Anti-Diet Club podcast and we are coming to you both today from Edinburgh because Tamsin's here. Hello. If you are a regular listener you'll know that I always record from Edinburgh because that's where I live but Tamsin normally records from Bristol and we come together on Zoom to record the episodes but today we're actually sat side by side speaking into the same mic, which feels really quite special.
1: Yeah, it's quite weird though as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if it'll come across different to the listeners. Yeah, I don't know whether it'll sound different. Yeah. It might
1: sound different because we I've been here since Thursday. Yeah. And we had a very late night. Last we did. Night. We had a very fun, but very late night. <laughs> yeah,
0: Tamsin was introduced to a Scottish ceilidh, which she'd never been to before. And the first thing she said to me this morning when I came through was my ankles hurt from basically bouncing
1: around all night. Dancing. Yeah, it was fun, though. It was good to um, good to see something that was, you know, so traditional and see so many people. There was loads of people there. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. And no one knew what they were doing. so. You know that's part of it. That's yeah. part of
0: the fun. Yeah. yeah, it was good. It was really good. So we maybe sound a little bit croaky today. We um, have just come from it's Sunday morning. We've just come from having breakfast, and we were chatting over breakfast about books and how books have played a role in our own kind of healing and recovery journeys, and how the role that books play in our clients' process and. I think we just really wanted to dive into like what the what the benefits and what the what can kind of trip you up as well Mm -hmm. when it comes to books. And of course, we're gonna go through all of our recommendations.
1: Yeah. So Gillian has an extensive bookshelf um and we have lots on our own audible and kindle and i have lots of books that i some are with me some at my house so we are very much into books we're always kind of swapping notes on books aren't we have you read this one have you read that one and um i think it is a really good part of the discussion because it really adds to the things that we you know, we see on Instagram or we see on social media or we see in just the media in general, like books is a great addition to really dive into some of this stuff on a, on a deeper level.
0: Yeah, and I'm all about, I was actually t- speaking to someone, a new person that I met yesterday about our podcast and they were like, oh, what is it that you love about podcasting? And I was like, well, I love long format content. Mm-hmm. I Hence why I'm probably not on social media much anymore because I the small sound bites to me just I find it frustrating and I find it a bit kind of like can be misleading when there's not the depth right so hence why I love podcasting because we can really get into the nitty-gritty but I think that's what books
1: do for me yeah same Yeah, it 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 helps me dive into experiences that I don't have, like lived experiences that I don't have and other social justice issues that maybe haven't kind of come, you know, really diving into those in a deeper level that haven't really come up in my own experience. I think this I think it's really important. Well, it's really important as coaches not to
0: just believe um, that our own experiences with all the privileges that we both hold is the only experience and I think as practitioners that that is a really slippery slope for us uh it's important to understand other people's experience and and I think with the books that we've we want to kind of go through today this isn't going to be a book review podcast necessarily um but I think I think we did both say that memoirs have actually Mm uh played an important role so it's not just sort of non-fiction books about skills and strategies and and, and ways of thinking or changing beliefs around this stuff it's actually just hearing people's stories is so so powerful that's
1: why we love having guests on right clients yeah I think it really helps you connect with you know all the all the ways in which people are affected by diet culture and all of our experiences but if you have guests on we we end up going down into conversations that we would never be able to have by ourselves it's yeah. it's really interesting yeah, yeah definitely.
0: what would you say then is if we were to talk about the benefits and the pitfalls of books what you you named a few of the benefits there but what are the pitfalls of books in this journey
1: I mean, I think from my own experience and also some of the uh, the things I've witnessed with clients is quite often we are recommended some of the more obvious, I want to say, books, like the more commonly recommended books in um, anti-diet work. And there's a couple of things that can happen. You can either kind of dive into those and then stop there. Mm-hmm. And then I feel that that doesn't really kind of deepen your understanding of why this work exists, why it's important. And I think it erases a lot of the people involved in anti-diet and, you know, body liberation and all this sort of stuff. So I think just kind of getting into that, those first few sort of recommendations, which is why this isn't a recommendation podcast, right? Because we want people to kind of just get curious and start reading lots Mm. of different stuff. But I think what I have seen is... People and including myself this has happened to me too is thinking that you're going to just read everything that needs to be read that you're going to read through this list and you're just going to come out the other side like recovered yeah it becomes that perfectionism it becomes like anti-diet becomes the new dieting
0: yeah yeah and I think particularly if you're someone who loves reading I see it all the time this this um clients who have made the decision that they want to embark on this journey, this process. And it's kind of like, because the brain has got on board, yeah. right. We've kind of like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is actually what yeah. I need to do. It's then this kind of like, if I can learn everything there is to learn, it will somehow percolate from the brain down into the body and I don't think it's it works that way. Mm -mm. I think it can be really, really helpful learning other people's stories, learning about different um, strategies, learning about statistics. I think if you're into that can be really helpful, trying to know what the research is around um, the success of of, um, weight loss and the sort of, quote unquote, health benefits of weight loss, like all of that kind of stuff is helpful, but the difference is, and, you know, my clients will be bored of hearing me say this, is you need to practice, you need to actually put into practice what you are learning and what you are reading, mm-hmm. and that's the really challenging part, and I think if, if you're all you're doing is reading books, you're going to start to get really frustrated at yourself, because you'll be like, I know all the stuff. like dieting I know all the macros I know Uh, all the calories I know like everything there is to know about food why am I losing weight
1: similarly with anti-diet it's exactly the same thing you can know all the things um but I think also just wanted to touch on your point there when you're talking about you know putting it into practice sometimes putting it into practice like what does that look like because to me putting it into practice isn't necessarily you're going to physically do something but it might be putting into practice might look like noticing just noticing just Mm. going oh yeah I see where that's come from Mm -hmm. you know I see why that's happening in society or in that group of people or in that situation or in that meeting you don't have to do anything, your act of noticing that because you have expanded your understanding of anti-diet work is so powerful. It's so opening your eyes. Yeah. And I think what I wanted to kind of really touch on, because when we talk about putting it into practice, sometimes that might feel a little bit like, oh gosh, I've got to like do all the things and be all the things. And we might not be at a place of safety with that yet. Mm. Depending on our situation, depending on our families who we're surrounded by, most of us have, are surrounded by diet culture still. Even us, we've talked about this, yeah. you know, with friends and family yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and we are still in that. So when we talk about putting things into practice, it might feel a bit like, oh, have I got to start educating people? No. Have I got to start, you know, a- actually like writing to me an and being an activist? Yeah, that is great if that's what you want to do and that feels like you feel like that's safe for you and you know how to do it or what to do or, you know, I, I think doing it in a way that, what's the word I'm looking for? that That is beneficial to your own recovery yeah and others not just you know doing it for the sake of it or doing it to be seen to be doing it that's what I'm trying to say but actually you know performative yeah taking an action can be just blocking it noticing it and maybe saying something to somebody like oh what do you mean by that like something simple and safe it doesn't have to be you're wrong this is what I know because I've read this book that's not what we mean is it that can be really harmful teeny tiny things yeah I also think to
0: building on what you're saying about awareness and being curious, something my therapist says to me all the time is I ask great fucking questions, but I often don't answer them. And that's what being in therapy helps me with is that... I will say, oh, I've been thinking about this. And why is it that that you know I'm noticing this pattern? Why is it? Mm. And then I'll stop there and she'll be like, Jillian, you're you're asking a great question. Do, do you want to explore some answers to that? And I'm not great at doing that on my own. But if you're a journaler or you're someone who maybe has like a friend who's also on this same kind of anti-diet journey that you can talk to about it, or if you're in therapy or working with a coach, these are places that you can explore some of those answers. And as you say, like, it doesn't have to be something visible to the outside world. That, that can be something you do very, very privately, but getting curious about oh why is it that maybe diets haven't worked for me in the past with a really non-judgmental kind kind of um, way of being around that um, as opposed to sort of using it as a stick to beat yourself with Mm. Um, and I think books can 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 start that process of asking
1: the questions yeah I agree as opposed and to the answers that's it's that like what you've just described is quite often describing how we have conversations we've been doing it all morning mm-hmm. like what do you think about this and what do you think about that and you know how does the how how does that feel like as a coach as a human is yeah. it like we have those conversations all the time I think they're really valuable and it's it's great when you have got somebody you can dive into that stuff within a safe way. And you don't always have to necessarily agree or even know the answers, but to just be curious. I think books allow that curiosity, you know, why, why is this like uh, why does this affect certain people in certain bodies of marginalized identities? Why, you know, why is that? Because it's okay if you don't know. Yeah. It's okay if you don't know that history. It's okay if you don't know the history of the BMI, or I, I can think of lots of different things that we might not just straight away know in the beginning. And it's okay just to, books allow us just to really dive into yeah. what that means.
0: And I think take your time with the books, because this is a, this is a, I think a pitfall that I have fallen into. Um, and that is like, I, I need to have read all the books, like the more books I can read, the further along I'm going to get in my recovery or, or in my healing journey, whatever you want to call it and actually I think what's more important is taking time and space between them to really allow them to land to to percolate through your body to journal mm-hmm. on them because what I see a lot is people turning anti-diet into a, a, the next diet mm-hmm. and when you think about when you and I I've done this I think you've said yeah. you've done that too um when you're dieting all your kind of free time is, is um, sort of researching like recipes or putting all your food and and movement into an app or Mm -hmm. tracking your movement or going to the gym and it's all that kind of stuff. And when you decide that you want to move away from that and, and, and follow a more anti-diet way of caring for yourself, um, we can then turn anti diet into a diet by saying, "Okay, my whole free time has to be learning about this, listening to podcasts, reading books, like doing all that kind of what I call like passive stuff." Mm-hmm. And actually, the most important thing is how you engage with it. Are you taking what you're learning and actually saying, "Okay, how does this affect me? Where am where where am I in this?" Um, and interacting with it, Did, mm-hmm. am I making sense? Yeah. as opposed to it just going in one ear out the other and being like, right onto the next like book I've read that. and book, expecting yeah. the more books that you read for it to make a difference and and
1: it won't unless you're actively engaging in the process, it won't. And I think there's also a temptation to buy all the books in the beginning and just have them on your shelf. And yeah. actually you don't need to. They're always going to be there. You can get them when the time is right for you to start diving into it. So you actually don't feel overwhelmed, yeah. And I think as coaches, I think I see that happen a lot. I know it happened to me when I was yeah. first going through my training. There's a there's a book recommendation list. Did I go out and buy every single one? Absolutely yes, because I yeah. thought it was going to help me to learn quicker and actually some of them I still haven't read yeah you know so actually it wasn't appropriate for me to buy all of the things straight away yeah and I think it's good to bring that to light yeah I'm interested what
0: was in your journey what was your what was the kind of first book that you can remember reading that kind of was your introduction to
1: anti-diet stuff the first book I ever read was um, Body Positive Power by Megan oh, yeah. Jane Crabb. And I just couldn't put it down. I just, I think that was the first time I'd ever heard, other than maybe the odd podcast here and there where I've been diving into it. It's the first time I'd heard anyone really say the struggle out loud. Mm. And I just sort of read it on my Kindle and just... I just, I just couldn't believe that it wasn't just me that was mm-hmm. struggling with, oh, okay, my body's like maybe fighting back. Maybe there's a reason why I'm not keeping the weight off or even getting there in the first place, all these things. Like, I would never questioned it. It was always a me problem. And I can't even remember how I came across it. I think I may have seen it like, you know, like in a magazine, sometimes they do like book recommendations and I think maybe I'd seen it there or I can't even remember, but for some reason I, I bought it on my Kindle and Um, dived in and I yeah that was the start of it for me and I think that was when things started to then you know, kind you, of take one you step. You developed an appetite for, like, I want more of this. I want to know who else is struggling. Like, if this person's struggling and I'm another person struggling, well, that's two people. Yeah. So, is there a third person? Is there a yeah. fourth person? Oh, no, there's billions of people. Okay. Right. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And the fact that Megan
0: wrote a book about it suggests that actually she wrote that book knowing that there was going to be a huge audience of people that would relate. And I think she, if you don't follow Megan on Instagram, I think she's a great person, mm. a really positive person um in this space that is quite easily relatable too I would say as well yeah um and she writes really funny about it as well it's a really entertaining book and I think that's what's great about um about memoirs as I was saying earlier just to like hear other other people's stories can be such a relief of like Oh God, it's not, it's Mm. not just me. Like, you get it. And often authors can, and I think Aubrey Gordon is a, is a, will come on to her uh, later, but another great example of how they can articulate in words that you've never been able to kind of like conjure up yourself. It's like, oh, God, you've nailed how I'm feeling. And that's like when you feel seen that way, mm-hmm. it's such a refreshing kind of um, feeling, isn't
1: it? I think the other thing that memoirs really name is how other people are reacting to you at different stages of this stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So when you're dieting and how your family is like praising you or doing all this stuff, There's, I mean, everyone has a different experience. But there's so I know when I was reading um, Roxanne Gay's um hunger book and mm-hmm. I was reading through that and it was so there was so much in there about what was happening in the family dynamic with yeah. parents and siblings and like all and uh, partners romantic partners friendships that as well as yeah. that extra layer because that's our life yeah is connecting with other people and how they yeah. to us.
0: and what I love about I'm glad you really named that book um hunger by Roxanne Gay I only read that last year when I was down with COVID and uh, I just powered through it within a, a couple of days. And I remember feeling like, God, Roxane Gay is such a like well-known public figure, mm-hmm. right? And and to be so vulnerable in that memoir, that's what really struck me To for someone who's so well-known and so well-respected as, um, as a speaker, as a, an activist, um, as an author, as an academic, And to come out and say, this is my story and I've struggled with my body and I still do like it's the and I still do part that Mm -hmm. I was just like, you know, I felt the depth of her pain. But also I, I was just like, yeah, and this is an ongoing thing, particularly. And again, we talked earlier about. And trying to trying to hear stories of people that isn't our own experience and I think being a fat black woman is a is a whole different experience to yeah. being a fat white woman yeah. and that book really gave me an insight into that yeah that
1: I didn't have before agreed what was your first book before we move on to anything else I want to know what yours was mine's was the intuitive eating book so it's like, like
0: pretty um sort of I was going to say boring, like it wasn't a memoir. It was it, um, for any of you out there that might be a new listener, the intuitive eating book. Um, it's the book that I think I probably have have historically always recommended to clients first. Um, it's called just it's just called Intuitive Eating. It's on its fourth revision now. It's by Evelyn Triboli and um Elise Resch, two dietitians in the States, who I think when they first wrote their book back in the 90s was quite revolutionary for two dietitians to come out and be like, do you know what? You actually don't need to restrict or control your food. In fact, that can be really harmful. Like this is how they suggest with their 10 principles as to how you start to heal your relationship with food. Um. So that was my first uh, read and it was mind blowing But I think I'm also really careful not to position that as the only book because I think a lot of people, a lot of coaches and dietitians and nutritionists position that as being the only book. And I don't think it is. I think it's helpful, but I think it's definitely not the whole picture. And if you if you see it as the whole picture, I think it's it can be problematic and it can maybe lead you down a path of um, turning it into another diet um it's much broader I don't think what it does and and probably this speaks to my own journey right because you'll know yourself I I know you well enough to know that when you first got into this work you didn't believe it was actually about your body you just thought you had a problem with food Mm -hmm. same with me I was like well my problem's yes I have a problem with my body but that's only a side effect of the fact that I can't get my food under control Uh once I get my food under control my body will like get into line you know (laughs) yeah that's exactly my body will body like you know do what it's what it's meant to be doing which at the time I thought was like just adhere to you know normal and the BMI um so that's where my journey began was, well, if I can learn about food and heal my relationship with food, my body will fall in line. And, um, and it's only now, like much further down the line that I've realized that actually, when we're talking about body liberation and we're talking about relaxing and, and feeling less stressed and tense about um, food, it comes from how we think about our body. And that, and that for me has like not only, gone from food to body it's gone from like body to like entire liberation I think what I've realized part of what kept me I'm going off topic here but what, what kept me trapped in that I think was the realization of the male gaze in mm-hmm. feeling like in being a perfectionist right in recovery was believing that my body had to look appealing to men and 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 now trying to practice a life where that that isn't a thing for me anymore is being I would say as liberating as stopping dieting Mm. and trying to be on the same side as my body um so yeah but that's where it began right with the intuitive eating book if I can learn how to eat properly yeah everything else will fall my whole life will fall into place yeah um so yeah let's move on to some other what books have you read recently that you
1: would really recommend to our listeners so i've been recommending a lot i've been recommending reclaiming body trust with hillary knavy and dana stuart Stewart vant i can never say her surname so i apologize if i've got that wrong i Is think it's stuart yeah and i have it on audible and mm-hmm. there are certain books that i just think work so well on Audible. I don't, you know, if you're not somebody who likes to sit and read, or maybe you've got lots of distractions like me with kids and pets, and I just find having something to listen to, and when it's read by the author, mm-hmm. I find it lands because they read it exactly how they want you to hear it, yeah. and how they intended it to be written, mm-hmm. or, or, or processed, yeah. Um, and I read that, uh, listened to that book, sorry, and the first there's a there's um a thing in the beginning which is like um a person a a reading of like a person reclaiming body trust and I was in tears and it was like the first and I thought oh my gosh this has got like 12 chapters how am I going to get through but it was just so it just really reminded me of why I do this work why it's important to me as Mm -hmm. a human to be doing Mm -hmm. this work but why it's also important to me to be helping other people do this work um and I and I really, I really just love that book. I think it's so gently written, it's so gently suggestive of what about this? Like what think about how, you know, when you sort of talk, even talking about food, mm. you know, and it's a body trust book, but we're talking about food, and it's like they were saying, like when um you say what your favorite foods are, and this really stuck with me. When you say what your favorite foods are and you say, okay. Uh, my favorite food's are pizza. Your favorite food isn't just pizza. Mm-hmm. Your favorite pizza mm-hmm. may be made by somebody special in your family, or it mm-hmm. might be from that particular place down the road that you know do the exact right combination mm-hmm. of things. And really getting you to think about What is it you just blanketly saying like, well, my favorite food is pizza is very surface level. Yeah. When you really get into it, there's so many details that really matter. Yeah, they really
0: matter. And I love pizza. So like we could do a whole podcast on (laughs) what matters to me about pizza. Um, So I totally get that. That's really interesting. And for anyone out there who doesn't follow um, Dana and Hillary's work, I highly recommend that you do um so they run a um organization it's now called um it, so it was always body trust yeah. they run programs for individual folks and for professionals like us it's mm-hmm. been I'm um, desperate to do yeah um so they they run trainings and and courses and workshops and thing But um, I think I'm right in saying Hillary is a therapist and Dana is a dietitian. So the two of them together are a fantastic team and they're absolutely haze aligned. I learned so much from them. Their newsletter is terrific. I would recommend that you sign up to that, follow them on Instagram. um, And yeah, they are are definitely the real, real deal. And I would say they're at the forefront of this current movement of... um, truly intersectional um feminist body liberationists yeah. i would say um and trauma informed which is massive because yep. anyone who has been uh living in a larger body or who has dieted has suffered trauma as right. far as i'm concerned so it's it's really important that's a great a great book recommendation um i am going to recommend my all time fave and cr- probably crash at this point um <laughs> uh, Aubrey Gordon who for you listeners will know that I'm a huge fan we're both huge fans of um her podcast the uh, maintenance phase and Aubrey's written two books now her first book was called what we don't talk about when we talk about fat um which is great so much of I wouldn't would I call it a memoir I'm not sure if it is but there's lots of real life stories about um, Aubrey, you know, like on airplanes, tra- airplanes, trying to navigate seating um, on planes, trying to, um, you know, do her food shopping at the supermarket. And and what she has come up against as a 300 pound plus uh, queer woman. She's American. And um, it's eye opening. And I think a must read for anybody that isn't in a bigger body to understand the stigma and the discrimination that people face. Um, and how the world is so unkind to people in, yeah. in bigger bodies. And then they I think this year they've released their second book, yeah. um, You Just Need to Lose Weight and 19 Other Myths. So all those things that, like, if you are quite new to this space and you're thinking, Yeah, but this, yeah, but surely I need to lose weight for my health surely thinner people live longer, are healthier, blah, blah, blah. It's like all those kind of things that that your your inner critic might um, sort of argue the case for um she does a brilliant job of just distilling that information into really um Mm. kind of easily digestible
1: uh chapters and she's just so freaking smart and so entertaining and so funny we both love listening to the podcast maintenance phase yeah um she does with Michael Hobbs because the two of them are just like they're so good they were just dreamy and I keep threatening to ask Aubrey to come on the podcast, oh but you're really worried that she's going to say yes and then you'll have to literally, yeah. like... <laughs> Pull it together. I'm not I'm not worried she's going to say no.
0: I'm worried she's going to say yes because then I'm going to have to, like, not be a fangirl. Because
1: no, most people don't say no to coming on to talk about this stuff because that's the world they're in. So, you know, Aubrey, if you're listening, we would love to have you on. Um, but we're still scared to ask because... Yeah, we really just adore That might but, lose my shit. But if you want to see Jillian lose her shit, <laughs> and it, I think that would be entertaining. I think it would be good if we could get Aubrey on. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few people on my list that I put at the top because I know you're going to lose your mind. I'm going to lose like my mind. Three,
0: yeah, I think. Who? So who else
1: would you say? I, I, would lose my mind with Aubrey Gordon. I think you'd lose your mind with Sophie Hagen a bit, and I think I would too because we are, yeah. big fans. And there's yeah. another person I'm going to forget their name. You're going to remind me. Who is a um, stylist? Uh, like, um, she writes for Vogue. You were saying, oh Marielle, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, as it is, but I need to find out who they are. I need to get them on, and then I'm just gonna go. Oh here. my god! And are gonna fall. Yeah, <laughs> she's like uh, she's like a
0: fashion, a plus size fashion blogger. We'll put we'll put um her details in the yeah. the link. But she's so hot. <laughs> and and You're like her style is amazing and yeah I think I would I, I actually can feel my face going red right they now. do
1: say they you know, never meet your heroes don't they yeah like, they do yeah, but Absolutely. I feel like we won't be disappointed so we'll see if any of those people just happen <laughs> to be listening to this and you feel like oh yeah that's one like please do um anyway back to the books what else yeah. are we
0: going to talk about so the other I think a couple of really important books one that I read right at the beginning of my journey as well was um well, I say the beginning, once I started to realise that actually maybe thinking and, and looking into like body stuff might be helpful. Um, my kind of entryway into that was The Body Is Not An Apology by Sonia Rene Taylor. Um, also love following Sonia on mm-hmm. Instagram as well. Learn so much in terms of social justice human rights racism like all that kind of intersectional stuff incredibly smart person and uh, yeah I love that book it was mm-hmm. the first kind of introduction introduction of like what if your body's not a problem and what if you're on like what if your body has wisdom and you're and you could
1: be on the same the same side as your body and mm-hmm. that was quite revolutionary for me yeah, and I th- I think that names the missing piece where we talk about, you know, like, like the Intuitive Eating book, as great as that book is, mm. we need all these other things to yeah. understand much more about the ways in which this is diet culture's rooted in racism and how this affects people with a different story, with a different identity. Yeah. And I think that's so important because yeah. without that piece of the puzzle, I feel that you would maybe still continue to think you're just not getting it right with the food yeah and that's not what we want to be yeah it's quite reductionist the two have to really kind of go together because I think when you kind of explore the body liberation stuff and the social justice side of things it actually makes that food side easier yeah yeah Yeah, it it does kind of just
0: yeah I think actually I would I would go so far as to say even if you don't start to learn about food stuff and you just learn about body stuff that in itself is going to have an impact on how you relate to food. I would say it's the more important piece, um, arguably. I think that's hard for people to hear. I know if somebody had said that to me in the beginning, I'd be like, no, because I want to try and prove that I can heal my relationship with food and lose weight or heal my relationship with food and not gain weight that I, I think I would I would sort of be resistant to the accepting the body
1: piece and just
0: wanting to get my
1: food under control piece. Yeah, and I think when you've put, you've bet your whole entire existence on the fact that you, if you just need to get your food under control, then that it was never a thing. You think, well, hang on a minute, I've just spent two decades doing that. So, yeah. and that feels really like you can't claim that time back. You can't, There's no way of clawing that back and it can be really hard to think, well, okay, I'm just going to, you know, move forwards because you're thinking, oh, just, what, a waste, oh, of like, what a waste of time! What a waste of time! What a waste of life! and What a waste of all the things! But you know, I sit with that, maybe move through that because it does, it does get better, and you will stop thinking about that at some point. But you, you almost have to feel that, like, ah, that yeah. angst of, like, yeah, oh, god, dang it! If I'd known yeah. this earlier, I could have just lived my life in a much different, more yeah.
0: Way. I think what got me through me through that phase of like the frustration and the regret and the grief and the what a waste of flipping time was at the same time as feeling all of that I and this wasn't a permanent state but I had glimpses of complete relief yeah like oh thank god I don't have to carry this anymore thank god I don't need to control this anymore and then the fear would kick in mm-hmm. and be like oh god like what am I just gonna like eat 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 and get bigger and bigger and bigger and this was like this was the story that was going through my head not realizing that well actually it's okay to eat and it's okay to get bigger um but those were based in a lot of fear for me Mm, at the time um yeah it keeps you stuck um so body's not an apology um I have a couple more but is there any you want to no let's keep going with, through yeah um so the other one you just mentioned there when we were talking about sonia's book about the intersection of race and diet culture and i think nobody really explains that better than sabrina strings her book *Feeding in the black body if you're interested in anti-racism work if you're interested in social justice if you if you're just asking the question as i did who the flip and when decided fat was bad? Mm. Like, how did we decide? I kind of feel like could it not really have easily as been like thin is bad, and we could have been living in a totally different world. Like, why is it that thinness was held up and fatness was was kind of uh, feared and um, ostracised? And uh, Sabrina does a great job talking talking about it in the context of race. Talking about it in the context of religion and talking about it in the context of just um, like socialism, social progress um, through the last kind of, couple, well, last century to two centuries. Um, and she's a scholar, so it is quite at times sort of like hard to wade through. Um, she talks about literature and the arts and um philosophy and all this kind of stuff but stick with it because it's really really eye-opening and I think that that's contributed to a big
1: shift in how I see how I see this stuff Mm -hmm. um yeah I just on your point mm there with your opening question about that that's what you mean by by being curious yeah actually when I'm trying to heal my relationship with maybe you know you're in a bigger body or bigger than you're used to or wherever you are at in your journey like why asking that question is so important. Like why? Well, who decided that my body was wrong? Yeah, we don't often think of that. It's not till you dive a bit deeper. Like I think it took me a long time to ask that question yeah. and get to that point because I was still fixated on the food. Mm-hmm. But this is where, like you know, expanding y- y- your reading list and g- getting into some of these books, if you haven't already, is so valuable. And yeah. maybe you know the ones that we've listed so far. Perhaps you have got to the point of reading one of those. But there are still so much more. There's mm. there's so many. I think I was saying earlier, we could do so many episodes on books.
0: Yeah, yeah. Why else at the same time saying books aren't the be all and end all? Um, no, hopefully not life is long, a, like take your time. Um, I, I was just thinking when you were speaking there, I was actually looking in the mirror the other day Um, And I think it was when I was drying my hair and I just had underwear on and I was looking at like my belly, like the curve of my belly. And I was just like, hmm, so interesting that the world would have me hate this. And and believe me, I was not looking in the mirror necessarily through like loving, caring eyes. Mm -hmm. I was looking at the mirror going, hmm, I don't love that, right? Mm -hmm. I don't love it today um but rather than sort of being on the opposite side to my body and taking the stance of like hatred or disgust or criticism or violence I was like hmm really interesting like looking at your curves through the eyes of what if this isn't wrong what if this isn't bad where does that conditioning come from and i left you know from being in front of the mirror Um, not my day the trajectory of my day didn't change in any way based on that kind of feeling of like hmm, i'm not loving this today um because i was curious because i was looking outside of myself and i think that's a big piece of the work that we do with our clients it's like if your body isn't the problem what actually has contributed to this. Yeah. And that's when I get into like, oh, wow, the world is really like screwed up. Diet culture has really done one on me, you know? Like, um, and I just like, yeah, I just got dressed and got on with my day. And that is what I mean by you don't have to love your curves, but you can not hate them. And you can um, look at something that that brings a kind of activation in you, and Mm. and meet it with kindness and gentleness and curiosity and it not screw up your day and it not fuck up with your food
1: yeah and you can be on that is an example of just being on the side of your body yeah I don't love this but I'm not going to tear this home down that I live in yeah to make it more socially acceptable yeah I'm going to remind myself of what's created that to not be socially acceptable why is it that I don't See this through the eyes of um you know see it in 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 a, a positive way today on this particular moment mm-hmm. it's you're on the side of your yeah. body there right,
0: and that is a prime example of like mm-hmm. how I think I'm gonna say we here don't believe that recovered is a place of like body paradise where you never think mm-hmm. of these things again. Um, it doesn't have a full stop after it. It is a practice. And what I've just described there is an ongoing practice for me. I would say it comes up less than it did, but also it can come up when like your body changes, right? Or when you're going through a stressful time in your life, which let's face it, our bodies will always change. We'll always go through stressful things. So Mm. having the tools and the strategies and being able to tap into those kind of like caring eyes, um, and caring mindset is just something that I just need to keep coming back to and keep coming back to and and probably always will so yeah it's um it's a kind of lifelong journey really and mm. but I, it's it's a it's a a way of responding that I'm really
1: grateful for yeah I, I agree and I think um I speak to so many other professionals in this space as well like you know you're not the sorry you're not my only like what <laughs> What? I'm your only work wife though, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I speak to lots of people and we we talk about all sorts of stuff that does come up. And even for us as professionals, I was talking to you yesterday about how something had come up, some body image stuff had come up from my daughter. And I was like, yeah. right, okay, this is my moment. I've got, like, I'm trained in this. Like, I know what to do. I know what to say. And I, you know, and, and, and it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think everybody's finding it hard. And I've spoken to so many of my friends in this space um, who are professionals who have stuff going on for themselves where they're still working through stuff And I think the more we can be open about that as coaches mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we can't help people of course we can but it is it's showing the reality and I'm we're much more inclined to be I love it when I see people showing the reality of being this work and being yeah. really honest yeah, yeah. about the fact yeah. that you might, you, you know, you. it's, again, we talked about before when people talk about intuitive eating and they sit on, they straddle that fence of, oh, I don't really know what your body is going to do. I love it when someone comes out and says, actually, do you know what? Of all the clients I've had, I've never known anyone just suddenly drop a load of weight. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the reality. Yeah. You yes. know, it, we, yes, we don't know what your body's going to do, but in all likelihood, your body is being. If you've been weight suppressing,
0: the likelihood is that weight is going to come on, right? Exactly. Like, it's, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people don't actually admit that they've been weight suppressing, though. I think they just think they've been making healthy choices. Okay. Anyway, let's stick <laughs> that's to a the whole. Point. Other episode. The last, the, uh, well, it's not, this isn't the last, but yeah, it's probably the last book recommendation I want to make today. We do want to cover some books that's on our list that we haven't yet read. But um, one book that I always recommend to my clients is a book called Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. Um, I don't listen to Christy's podcast anymore, but um, that's just because my whole life isn't just about anti-diet anymore. Uh, but when I was really in like recovery and the beginning of being, you know, training to be a coach, I would listen to Christy's podcast, food psych all the time. Um, But I love her book, Anti-Diet. I think it's a great mixture of like body stuff, food stuff, but also social justice stuff. Mm. A lot of research that she taps into. It's very well researched and it's very well written. Um, It is from a place of privilege. Christy is a thin, white, able-bodied, you know, person of, 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 of resources. And um I think we need to bear that in mind when we read it. And I
1: think she does a great job at naming that yeah. from beginning to end in yeah. that book. And yeah. in all of her work, she names that. And I like yeah. that because yeah. I don't, again, that's another thing that I think is so important to keep naming, keep raising that and and showing what you're doing about it and using the platform that you have. It Christy Harrison's got a big platform and she uses that. Yeah. You know, and to, to make sure that the other people are being heard, the people in marginalised bodies are being heard. Yeah. Um, and she's not centering herself. Yeah. I f- yeah. I f- that's how I feel about her work. Might be people who don't agree with that, but I, that's how I feel. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, like,
0: being really honest, I think it's something that we try to do ourselves. And I don't think we uh, have it nailed by a long oh. chalk. I think we um, still have, you know, the majority of voices on our podcast including ourselves and guests are uh white folks and i think we are trying to um become more diverse in that respect Mm -hmm. um we you know i i think everyone we've had on Mm -hmm. is is uh, other than asher is cisgendered i think i can't think of anyone who explicitly names their disability other than lie maybe that Mm -hmm. we had on so we have got so far to go in terms of our, you know, um, journey with that. And I think we really recognise it and are trying hard to bring more diverse um, and marginalised voices onto the podcast. Um, So, yeah, the next book that I want to recommend, well, not recommend, but that is on, that I would recommend that you maybe look at if you're interested, but it's one that I haven't read, and it's called Belly of the Beast by Deshaun L Harrison. Um I think it might be self-published. It's not a very big book. Um but again I think just a a a really different voice of lived experience there. Um and I'm really I'm really interested to to speak about that. What about you that's on your reading list?
1: Yeah, well again I've got um loads on my reading list. I've always got loads. That's one of them as well. Um Fat Talk uh, Coming of Age in Diet Culture by Virginia Soul Smith. That's another oh, yeah. one. Um I'd love to have her on the pod. Oh I know. Would you fall apart though? Uh, m- maybe but
0: not as much as the first three that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I listen to Virginia's podcast um all the time. I subscribe to her Substack. Um, I think I don't have kids and she largely talks about kids, but I yeah. find it so flipping helpful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's lots on my list. I don't know whether I've got them all in my brain though, but um, I always, I have like a big long list that I just keep adding stuff to. Um, it's always been ours. That's another one. Jessica, uh-huh. I've forgotten her surname. Apologies, well, I'll look it up and put it in the show notes, but there's there's so many and I just keep, I, whenever I see them, I just keep adding them and keep adding them because there's quite a lot of places where you can find really good book lists. I mean, maybe we should put one together at some point. Yeah, but well, we one thing,
0: going to name so if you're looking to find um anti-diet books that aren't the kind of like mainstream ones that you hear everyone recommending uh i would say uh nicola haggett who's also someone i would love to have on the uh mm-hmm. on the podcast nicola is a body trust provider based in um, england and her instagram story highlights will link to that on the show notes um she has a great variety of intersectional body liberation book book recommendations so I think we've done a good good job for today I think um I think it's a really good uh books are a great resource and hopefully this helps you if you are looking for some um reads um but also back to our original point of don't just intellectualize it if you're someone who's really trying to recover uh, on your own without professional help take the time to self-inquire because
1: arguably that's the most important piece yeah and don't forget to go out and actually live the life you haven't been living because of diet culture I think that's so important we're about to actually kind of do a bit of that today because you're taking me into the Scottish sea yeah wild swimming yeah
0: so we're we're talking about diet culture in the morning and then we're we're shelving it and we're going out and we're living our anti diet life we are um today we're going to go for a swim in the sea at mm-hmm. Portobello um we're going to walk my um partner's flatmate's dog and then we are going to sit by a campfire and then we're going to do this class called move to feel which is like a silent disco on the beach, underneath the full strawberry moon tonight. Yeah, I'm really excited about this stuff. It's so exciting. Yeah, yeah. So go out and live your anti-diet life. After all, that's why we do this work, so that you can go and live the life that you want to live and come back to your books um, as maybe just a kind of bolstering
1: resource when Mm. you need it. Yeah, and if you're looking for help and support, around this stuff and you do want some professional support all of our links and everything you can find how to work with us is in the show notes you can just click on our websites and uh, see what we have available now
0: yeah and please um, follow us on instagram at the anti-diet club podcast and if you like this podcast please rate and review it really helps us get our podcasts out to a wider audience and we would really appreciate that.
1: Yeah. We'll be back soon, hopefully, with Bobby Gordon.
0: <laughs> Let's <talk. laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.